Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Certainly there are probably very few topics in the news over the last uh, year or two that, that provide a type of flashpoint that immigration does. Uh, in our conversation today, we, we're going to sidestep the politics and the rhetoric and all of that, and we just want to take a look at the actual process associated with at least at least one type of immigration, as I welcome LaBelle Law Attorney Haney Nereldin. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and, of course, looking forward to learning along with all of you what some families go through procedurally in an attempt to reunite family members from other countries here in the U.S. So, Haney, uh, first I'd like to welcome you to Chicago's Legal Latte. Thank you for making the time today. Uh, how are you? Hope all is well with you. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's set the table with some, some general details before we get into the specifics of our topic. Uh, am I right in remembering or assuming that there are different types of visas that those from outside the country can apply for to get into the U.S.? Correct. Uh, generally speaking, um, there are you know visitor visas, um, business visitor visas, employment-based visas, um, investor visas, and uh, family-type visas. Um, obviously, employment-based and family-based being the more popular ones. So I, I think we're familiar in many cases with with employer-based, but tell me about family-based visas. What what's, what are sort of the characteristics of that type of a visa? So in a family-based setting, there are basically um, two types of categories a person may fall into. Either they're the petitioner or the beneficiary. Um, that terminology is important because uh, when you're a petitioner, you're either a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, and that allows you to bring certain people into the United States um, to get a green card, and those people are called the beneficiaries. Um, but the... Um, key notion on a family-based uh, petition uh, is that you have to have that connection, that U.S. citizen or permanent resident to allow um, that family member, and there are specific types of family members, um, to come into the United States. And we'll talk about some of those things you mentioned there because there are a couple of real key points I want to follow up on. But uh, with a family-based visa for the beneficiary, does that type of visa then lead to permanent status in the U.S., or is that is that sort of a temporary status? No, a family-based petition leads to permanent status. Um, so you would get what's commonly referred to as a green card, which is a permanent resident card. Um, and uh, after a while, if you meet certain conditions, um, that's your kind of path to citizenship. And, and I think I heard you say um, certain family members. So when we talk about family-based visa, family-based immigration, is this? Are we talking about immediate family members? Is there a, sort of a restriction on how wide that uh, that loop might go in terms of, of family members? So, as far as I know, I haven't uh, run across anybody who's trying to bring in their cousins. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as adult siblings um, to um, their own children, um, family being people that are closely related to you. Um, certainly, the the, the uh, three most, or the, what the government considers, the three most uh, uh, 
types of individual that are closest to a U.S. citizen or permanent resident is your spouse, your child under the age of 21, and your parent. Okay. And now I think one of the things that, that's going to be interesting to hear about today is going to be the, the application process and, and how this works. Um, and and uh, certainly want to, you know, take a look at that today. Um, but in, in terms of um, who can do this, you, you mentioned that uh, the petitioner needs to be a U.S. citizen or green card holder. Now, does the actual application, does that come from the petitioner on behalf of the beneficiary, or do the beneficiaries apply in their home country through an embassy, or do they both have to do something simultaneously? So it depends on where the beneficiary is. Um, uh, in all cases, the petitioner has to file what's called an I-130. That I-130 basically establishes the relationship between the petitioner and the beneficiary. So if it's a um, spouse, which are, can be some of the more complicated ones, um, you need to show that you have a bona fide marriage. Um, and, you know, you have to collect evidence to demonstrate that relationship. If it's a parent, it's a little more straightforward. You just need uh, a birth certificate uh, for a mother, a birth certificate and marriage license for a father. Um, same thing with a child. Um, but in the, in the, in the case of um, somebody who's here in the United States, generally speaking, if, if you are on a type of visa and you want to switch over to a family-based petition, the beneficiary then files what's called an I-485, which is to tell the government that, hey, I'm on this visa, but I want to switch over to this family-based visa. Um, to give you a quick, clean example, let's say someone came as a student um, and they're on what's called a student visa. They meet uh, an individual who's, who's a U.S. citizen. They get married. At that point, um, that individual wants to transfer over to a family-based visa, which gives him more rights than, than a student visa would uh, give him. So uh, the petitioner would file the I-130, the beneficiary, the student, would then file the I-485, letting the government know that he was a student, but now he's a spouse of a U.S. citizen. Well, and that provides a very clear example, and, and I'd mentioned the process, and you, you've already referred to you know, each each party having to uh, fill out certain forms, whether it's the I-130 or the I-485. Um, is there a broader view of the application process that you can walk us through? I mean, uh, how does it initiate? Who, what, what organizations do they go through, just so that people listening might understand sort of how that trail would lead from start to finish? Right. So I think I jumped into um, the adjustment of status um, uh, application path, and that's for people who are in the United States that um, are on a visa currently or they may have had a visa and they overstayed for a little bit. There's also um, what's called a uh, what's called consular processing, and that's for individuals who either are overseas that the uh, petitioner wants to bring over or somebody that uh, might be in the United States um, but they don't have uh, documentation or uh, they didn't come with a visa. Um, so the person that's going to do the adjustment of status um, they basically have to uh, put USCIS on notice um, that they uh, that they're that they're let's say the spouse the spousal type um, application that they're married and that they have a visa and they would supply the I-130 and the I-485 to um, USCIS United States uh, Customs and Immigration um, Services. Uh, similarly, if that person uh, is either overseas or doesn't have a visa, they would also go through USCIS um, with the I-130. 
um, but there would be no visa to adjust, so it would just be the I-130. Um, so if the person, whether the person is here or overseas, they ha would have to go to the consulate um, in their country of origin once the I-130 gets approved and an interview date gets uh, established. Uh, Attorney Haney Norelden of Lavelle Law is joining us today on, on Chicago's Lita Latte and sharing some his knowledge from working on, on matters of immigration law. Um, and uh, today we're focused on family-based visa applications. Uh, immigration law is one of the you know, dozen or more practice groups at Lavelle Law. You can learn about the services offered and about the attorneys uh, at the firm by visiting LavelleLaw.com. And they also provide very timely updates and links to, to great relevant content via Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So whichever platform you prefer, I suggest you, you seek them out on social media and, and of course, bookmark the website to use as a, a great resource, which is what it is. Um, as we continue the conversation, uh, you alluded to the fact that um, uh, petitioning for a spouse can be more complicated than other relationships. Is it just in the ability to provide uh, verification that the, the couple is married, or are there other factors that make that more difficult? That's precisely it. Um, the government um, uh, is wary of uh, individuals that are um, getting married simply for um, uh, immigration benefits. Uh, and you know, I, I've had firsthand experience where, obviously, the government doesn't want to allow someone to enter who who's not in a bona fide relationship um, with a U.S. citizen. Um, but also, on the individual who is a U.S. citizen, um, that can turn into a pretty toxic because once they get the immigration benefits, then um, they want nothing uh, to do with that person. Um, so that's kind of the wisdom behind uh, the, uh, the, the uh, scrutiny that the government basically puts applicants uh, through because um, they just want to make sure that, that it's a relationship that's been established for a couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend for the last three, four years, um, maybe someone's li been living overseas and they met someone, um, you kind of have to demonstrate to the government um, that you have a relationship. Um, and on one end of the spectrum, if you can show the government that there's a child between the two parties, the government's not very likely to deny your application. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, there are uh, situations or you know, cultural um, conditions that don't allow two people to meet, uh, and the government also um, the government also you know accommodates this, but they also want demonstration, um, evidentiary de demonstration, to show that this is a bona fide relationship. So generally speaking, when when you know when a couple come and, and they want to adjust their status or they want to bring over their spouse, um, what we like to see is um, shared assets. Um, if, if possible, a joint bank account, obviously marriage certificate. Um, uh, like I said, if they have a, a child, that's a strong indication that this is a real relationship. Um, but it's it, everything is basically up to the petitioner and, and the beneficiaries, um, for lack of a better word, imagination, if they can show anything to demonstrate that this is a real relationship. I don't like to limit um, clients of ours to a specific type of evidence or another. Um, you know, photos, uh, travel, itineraries, um, large purchases together, uh, things like that help us establish to the government that, um, you know, this is a real marriage and um, this U.S. citizen and, and his spouse is entitled to live together in the United States. 
for someone who is petitioning for a, a family-based visa, what what should their expectation be in terms of timeline from from when they first start the process to when they might receive a, a final answer back from the government? So, if you're a U.S. citizen applying for a parent um, child under the age of 21 um, who's unmarried, uh, and uh, or or a spouse, um, you should um, be able to get your I-130 approved um, within six to nine months. Um, it's difficult to say um, for other types of family members. Um, for instance, if you have, um, a child who is over the age of 21 or is married and you want to, um, bring them to the United States, um, that's more difficult to, to give a solid, or I'm, I'm sorry, not a solid answer, but a specific answer because it's a function of obviously the relationship, um, the, the, um, the petitioner, whether he's a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, and the country of origin, um, because the government, um, for for those other than children under the age of 21, spouses and parents, the government has a certain quota of visas that they will give to um, a particular individual, um, you know, sibling, um, child over age of 21, and from from a particular country. Um, so, for instance, um, you know. Certain countries in Africa, like Egypt, let's say, have a quota that's different than uh, another country in Africa, like let's say Morocco, or another country such as India, that may have a lot of applicants and a lot of individuals that are trying to um, bring in bring their family members over. So, if you're a, if if you're a parent, spouse, or child, um, you can expect your I-130 to be approved between six to nine months. Can go up to 12 months, but if you're not, um, depending on country of origin and relationship, some of these um, visas can maybe made available 10 years, uh, and that just uh, complicates things because in 10 years' time, um, let's say you're applying for your sibling, that sibling might have be married, he might have children, um, and at that point in time, he would want to bring it over his children with him, um, and, and that just becomes a um, conversation that you need to have with. Um, between you know, if, if you have help with your lawyer, with your lawyer and and, um, and the client, the petitioner, as well as the beneficiary of how they want to uh, best strategize to obviously bring everybody over because this is this is about families at the end of the day. Well, uh, very complex and interesting topic. I want to thank Haney uh, uh, for joining us today, and uh, thank all of you for listening. It does sound uh, very clearly like this is something that you want some legal advice on. So uh, Lavelle Law does have a strong immigration law department, 847-705-7555 or lavellelaw.com. Thanks very much for being with us today.